Hello and welcome. I'm Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. Today is just the in-house crew, Luke, Ian, and myself. We spend the episode's media section talking about a local performance of the ballet, Swan Lake, a roundup of some of the panels at the MWF from Ian's perspective, and chat about Narcos Season 3, Ali's Wedding, and a few others. For the topic, we explore our publishing journeys and try and impart as much knowledge as we've picked up along the way. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate in contacting me on my email, mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. Today we're at the Brunswick Street Bookstore, and we are doing something a little bit different. We've got our co-hosts, our, I'm not a multiple, I don't have multiple people with me, but I'm just me. Uh, but I have both co-hosts, uh, Ian and Luke. Two of us, bad idea. Exactly. Same time. Really I know, bad. gang up on me, That's guys. True. Like This is hostile takeover. quite awkward. <laughs> mm. Anyway, welcome Mutiny. to the show, the yeah. both of you. <laughs> Thank you, good to be here. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> Fantastic. So, Arr. Ian, tell me, how has your day been? Oh, you know, pretty good day. Uh, just... Um, I, I came to the realization that I'd written a 4,000-word chapter on my latest first draft, which I was um, impressed by. Uh, Luke, how was your day? Well, the captain just abandoned ship, but here he comes back again. I know. I, know, um, right. I Well, you're talking about today, because that's a bad idea. I just worked today. Oh, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> how was your last writing day? Generally, the last few weeks. Um, <laughs> good. Been putting together some collections, um, and I've kind of hinted at what I'm doing. Hmm. On a couple of podcasts, but I've got some collections of of writing coming out in the next or well, over the next two months. So mm. hopefully October the first, and then November the first. That's mm. the plan. Uh, I've also got some cover art in in the pipeline. Ooh. So that's well, I haven't seen it yet. So I'm <laughs> hoping it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. You know it. I had you, a great concept for and it. And then you get a crayon goes. drawing back, and then you're like, well. <laughs> It might sell. Who knows these yeah. days? <laughs> Unless the brief was, I want a crayon drawing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Might be super popular. It works for some. Yeah. yeah Modernist. Yeah. Minimalist. Minimalist. Crayon drawings. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's a new trend. Yeah, Fantastic. So that's been a lot of fun. There you go. Um, well, no one's really interested in what I've been doing. Uh, but, so let's let's move on. Oh, sub, sub, Deepening, deepening silence. <laughs> No defense. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I I would like to talk about one interesting thing Mm. that we've been a running theme on the podcast for a couple of weeks, and that's me trying to read Harry Potter for Mm. a while. Um, So I finally, I I bit the bullet. I had some time. I was like, yep. I just, you know, sat down, got through it. Uh, It was uh, was interesting. You know, it's... it's, I did have, you know, as you say, some biases going in. That's just how you are, especially with a book that you didn't read growing up. Um, Mm. So I approached it quite differently, I guess. And there's a certain level, I think, um, your predilection, or at least mine, is Mm. to to sort of look at the book in a sort of analytic way. Yeah. Um, In a roundabout way, he's saying he loved it. Yeah. (laughs) that's And I came to the conclusion that it's my favorite book of all time. Yeah. Uh, That's how all these conversations usually go with me. Um, but no, it, it definitely isn't my kind of thing. Uh, mm. I would say uh, I can see the appeal for a lot of people. I think it's, I think it's definitely there. Um, mm. There's a certain amount of magic that uh, she's able to to input in her world. Haha! <laughs> you see what I did there? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so wizards. Um, but <laughs> a uh, yeah, a, a poor muggle like me just didn't didn't. <laughs> 
Look at that reference. I'm wow. just pandering to the crowd. Yeah, I love really? it. It yeah. should be noted as well that when Joel uh, says that he read Harry Potter, he read the first, the I f- did. Philosopher's yes. Stone. I read the Philosopher's or the Sorcerer's Stone, if you're in America. We're not. Har, har, har. Oh. Um, <laughs> Philosopher's Stone is so, so much of a better title. Um, and, mm. yeah, it, yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I definitely... It's, it's curious because I suppose that... Um, my version of like magic in mm. terms of like if I was a kid and I I, yeah. I read a little bit of Alice in Wonderland didn't really like it very much, um, but it stuck with me. You know that there, there were things in that book mm. that imagery in my head that remained. And again, this is this is that kind of thing where as a kid things I think are more likely to stick with you. So maybe if I read Harry Potter, then then mm. I would I would have that. But um, but yeah, it was a bit of a different experience. And yeah, I'm not sure if I'll continue with the series. I probably won't. It's not really, my, like I said, it's mm. not really something that I um, am into. But it was good to have a look inside and, and, and see why uh, why people really like it. Oh, those mm. memories. I yeah. can remember it brought chess to yeah, life Yeah, well, me. when... It was chess the first life. time I thought, wow, chess is actually war. It's amazing. It yeah. looks just like Literally. little things on a board. Mm-hmm. Like, right? <laughs> but no, just the comments like... Mm. So Violent, <laughs> but it also almost made me get into sports with mm. the handmade sport in there. So yeah, that was, oh, that with was that Quidditch. Quidditch, 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 yeah, Quidditch is pretty cool. People do play a form of Quidditch as well now. It's a real thing. Is, isn't it? Um, how uh, one of the characters describes it as basketball with uh, what is it? Seven, seven hoops or ah uh, yeah, basketball with hoop. three hoops each. Yeah, with so three hoops three each hoops side. Each, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting because I, I read it as an adult, but I think it, it really captured mm. my imagination. Mm. Um, Luke, did you read it as a kid, an adult? Uh, a kid, as in like fourteen, fifteen? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Was read too, and then read it this right. year actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah, recent reread. Yes, it's <laughs> cool. Did it have the same uh, impact when you reread it? You think? I don't know. I think I saw deeper things. I was yeah. more interested in in just the. Well, first of all, the style of mm, the way mm. that she writes, the the tone that she uses, the language she puts in, mm. and then just the things that you don't realize when you're a kid, which just kind of like wash over you, like, oh, that was cool. And then now you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's it's interesting because for me, um, J.K. Rowling, the genius of what she did is that she came up with with a lot of very original takes mm. on things. Not everything um, is is original, but there are certainly like, uh, especially when it comes down to. Um, I'm not going to say spoilers for Harry Potter. Anyway, when it comes down to the Horcruxes, which <laughs> effectively the Horcrux is a very similar concept to the One Ring mm. in Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, like some some of the stuff is, is you know isn't necessarily uh, 100% uh, out of left field, but um, the way that she just executed everything is excellent. And, and this for me is why um, because she spent so much time planning and, and uh, getting the books, she's a master plotter. She plots amazingly, and you know, having just finished the the latest Robert Galbraith book, I can see that, uh, you know, again, she pulled off the plot really wonderfully. That's why nothing else that is in the Harry Potter universe comes up, you know, can hold a candle to the original stories. They're just so well done, you know? Mm. Yeah. The ones that are co-written or sub-written. Or yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that before, it's, it's, it's very much a story that was written into the modern brand as well, mm. the modern day branding. No one felt like there was a need to franchise out uh, things necessarily when you were you know, yeah. ages ago <laughs> unless the estate took it that way I'm looking at you Lord of the Rings <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not looking at you C.S. Lewis yes anyway yeah yeah absolutely um, but yeah I'm, I'm glad I've read it I've put it off mm. for a very long time but it, it was good that uh, to finally see that and you know 
read, uh, understand some concepts. That, you know, sort of like my style was, you know, Escapade, yeah. where I just didn't know anything about it. And then, <laughs> so, um, so tune in next year when Joel reads something else of popular culture that he's never done before. But, um, but yeah, no, just a it, few years, not just yeah. not next, not next year. Yeah, that's right. Um, one but, down. But yeah, that that was really interesting. Hmm. So let's let's tail that into our media section. Uh, yeah. Luke, you and I went to a uh, performance. We did. Uh, we absolutely last did. Week? Yes. yes, it was Friday. Night. Yeah, and um, it was at the National Theatre Melbourne, uh, mm-hmm. and it was Swan Lake mm. um, by Su- Sulukin. Sulukin, yeah. Yeah, Sulukin. which is a Russian um, uh, festival. Yeah, pretty much a celebration mm. of Russian culture. Yeah. Um, and I love Tchaikovsky. I love Swan Lake. Mm. I, I remember um, sometimes my parents would like switch on to reruns of mm. Swan Lake, f- like from St. Petersburg's performance, oh. and I was like glued to the TV because I thought that the dancing was great and <laughs> mm. all that. And and I and I you know I, I have a very fond part of my heart towards ballet. Um, so it was it was interesting uh, going there. Now let, let's let's just say. The, the the dancing was was pretty good. It, you know, there were some things here and there, but the choreography, by and large, was pretty good. It was mm. a young crowd. Yeah, it was a... It was a um, right. Uh, definitely. It's not, like, it's not like they're in their 30s dancing and getting... Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was good. The music... Wow. Okay, so this is how a performance is let down mm. by everything around the, the, the performance. Oh. Whoever was in charge of the sound of playing oh. the music... Oh, he would press play, and the play wasn't that bad. He would get towards the end of the track, and just as the track ended, he'd just press stop. Like on a cassette player, you just press stop. So it just cut with like a significant thunk. Like (laughs) it just ended, and the dancers just had to like, (laughs) all right, we're done. (laughs) Like it was so uncomfortable. I felt like squeezing myself into the seat and just dying of embarrassment because that was so... Oh, it was so awkward. Oh, that wasn't the only thing, was <laughs> that it? That wasn't the only thing, was it? Um, well, to be fair, before we go to that thing, there was also like this beautiful, highly pixelated JPEG in the background. Yes. The so instead of <laughs> instead of just relying on the lighting, which would have created quite mm. a nice effect, like I the think lighting a prop, maybe, but mm. obviously lighting's one thing. But it did a little bit of the scene. But they could have any prop, anything, yeah, yeah, anything. But if it <laughs> if they just didn't have enough to do that, just rely on the lighting, and I would have been happy because you would yep. focus on the on the, on the, on the choreography. But man, the the they put a JPEG of an image you could just type in Google and say oh, um, castle. German castle, German castle. <laughs> and the the image wasn't large enough to fit the border. So, it, the, so oh. it was didn't like say cut a stock on the front, but you know, <laughs> and there was like black bars on the side. Oh. And when they put on the yellow light, there was this like bile yellow filter on top of it. <laughs> right, and, and yeah. so y- you know, this was very very weird. But I think, really, the thing that really topped it off was the sound. It like, was definitely the sound. Yeah. And, and I could hear coughing on, on the, like, the sound. I could hear when he would press play, they'd be like... Yeah. Over the loudspeakers. Oh, bliss. Um, so you got the sound kind of, like, peaking every now and then. Yeah, like, and, and sometimes the music would be too loud, so it would, like, peak... The, the speakers. Can, can I just ask, was this like in an alleyway with a literal <laughs> cassette player? <laughs> this I'm is picturing at the that. National Theatre Melbourne. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a high school performance, okay. is what I'm saying. But it was inspired by a high school it, performance. It was definitely going for that vibe. Oh, brutal. And okay. You know, there, you know, there were some funny things that I could say. As stereotypical as it comes with wow. just observations of mine, there was this perfect picturesque of the Russian <laughs> culture with a Russian Orthodox mm. uh, clergyman yep. with his wife in a fur mink coat. Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> the whole so, thing. So, so they were expecting good uh, stuff, right? Aww. Like, it was very funny. But the performance, man, I felt but, so the, bad for the dancers. By yeah. the way, that perfect couple in front... Mm. <laughs> Orthodox oh. priest actually got in trouble for using his mobile phone during so the he, performance. So he switched oh. on his phone and it was quite dark, so the light was just like... <laughs> and so, yeah. He's like using Skype or something and the guy comes down and says, turn it off. Wow. Yeah, of okay. all the person, the Russian Orthodox, yeah. That was quite funny. That uh, was pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> it on you guys. It added to the comedy of the night, for it was, sure. Yeah, it, it, it made me laugh. Um, but I felt so bad for the performers. Yeah. I act, There was this, there's this piece uh, midway through... Um, uh, the the different sets uh, where mm. you see the black swan, mm. um, and that solo is is meant to be one of the centerpieces. It's this really dramatic yeah. climax of this this character, um, and her, she did a great job. Mm. And man, that was the worst piece of sound oh. of the whole thing. There was so much coughing. Yeah, there was this. Oh, <laughs> oh Joel. So. Now look, if it was pre-recorded, and you can see that the dance was pre-recorded. It's not like live dancing. That might be accept, sort yeah. of acceptable. Yeah. But the fact that you can feel the performers stumbling because of the sound. Yeah. Rough. Oh. Yeah. Rough when they stuff. just before they do the bow, the the mute. Oh, there was one time during the music where it looped. Yeah, it looped. Like it suddenly had like a, a like it like yeah. it was on a record. And like, like he him, actually like, had it, his back hand five on the rec like turntable. <laughs> Mm. And he was just wrapping the turntable a little so bit. So the guy was up to a certain part of the dance and then mm. suddenly it goes back f- like three seconds. So he had to sort like, of... like, what? <laughs> okay. And you know, you're in the middle of like a complicated whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Anyway. That, Good on you guys. So, anyways, that was interesting. It was definitely... Yeah. Uh, there were aspects... Listen, it was, I, um, it was Swan Lake. interesting to go yeah. to. You can't yeah. hate on Swan Lake. But I can hate on the sound guy. Okay. Don't pick that sound guy again. <laughs> and if you do, switch his mic off. <laughs> Please. Why does he have a mic? There you go. You hit it. You're in a sound booth. Why do you have a mic? I don't. Because he's holding oh. it to the record. Player. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. <laughs> terrible. He's like, oh, wrong hand. <clears throat> right. Anyway. There you go. That's that's what we did. Let's switch over to Ian. What have you been watching this oh, week? Anything well, as good as Swan Lake? No, but I mean, I, I, the Melbourne Writers Festival happened between uh, then and now. That had many microphones. Um Except for the one person who decided not to use their microphone during their session. Oh, great. That was not the greatest session, let's just say. <laughs> yeah. No, there was, Look, the moderator, I've got to say with these things, the moderator makes or breaks Absolutely. the events. Um, and generally, the moderators are actually really good. Um, and it was, it was a good, you know, solid time at the festival. Uh, but the worst moderator basically let the audience, invited the audience to partake in the discussion and then just kind of let things go. What do you mean, like mid? Ooh. He said, mid, oh, I really uh, want to hear from the audience thoughts on this. But, like, that was at the start. And so, oh. essentially, everyone in the audience who, you know, really needs a bit of a check to make sure they don't interrupt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will, given felt, an open invitation. Yeah, invitation. they had an open invitation to Ooh. put their thoughts in. And I just, I didn't come to hear uh, random everyone. people off the yeah, like, just interrupt I people. appreciate that people have things to say, but yeah. some people then feel like they have a lot to say 
and uh, and I really want to hear from the industry experts. And so you are totally for audience participation in an effective, mm-hmm. well well moderated manner. So yeah. that w- that only happened at one session. Yep. The other session is really good, and especially the um, the Love Oz YA uh, piece was really fun. We had a lot of fun with that. Um, and you know, it was a packed house for a free event, which was great. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And also got to hear um, the fa- reality and fantasy session was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So more of that, please, Melbourne Writers Festival. Um, good to see some some genre stuff getting in there. Absolutely. And um, the uh, in terms of the other things, I've been watching more of The Handmaid's Tale, which I'm really enjoying. Finished uh, J.K. Rowling, or should I say Robert Galbraith's Career of Evil, which was um, good. Good book, and uh, I've just started on my first, so I've, I've kind of resisted the urge over the years. My mum is a massive fan of Poirot. She read Agatha Christie all the time when I was growing up. So um, my parents' house is still filled with uh, Agatha Christie books, Miss mm-hmm. Marple and, and Poirot. But, um, with the picture that sort of flows across all the series. Yeah, that kind of that kind of <laughs> thing. So she, so many different books. But um, yeah, I'm reading, reading my first one, and I went for the classic Murder on the Orient yep. Express. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, you know, for someone like me who writes mystery stories uh, as, as part of what I do, I'm enjoying kind of uh, getting a masterclass from someone who writes very, very simple. They're very loose. Her prose are, sorry, tight, not loose, but, you know, very, um, there's a lot of space. I feel like there's a lot of space given and she doesn't get too much into descriptions. She just gets on with the story yeah. and uh, that is, is masterful. As I said, and brisk. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's what I'm reading. And the last thing mm-hmm. is uh, been watching The Mindy Project. So yeah. finished The Office, went on to The Mindy Project since it features a lot of similar cast. Um, and uh, it's been interesting um, because I also rewatched uh, most of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt season one. And boy, what a contrast between those two shows. Like, Mindy Project is good, makes me chuckle occasionally, but the depth that uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt has, I, it, I've appreciated it a lot more on the second run-through. Really, really good show. Really well written. So, hmm. Fantastic. Luke, what have you got for us? Well, I watched Ali's Wedding. Or Ali's Wedding, actually. Yeah, I've heard about um, this. It's a fantastic film. You guys should, should definitely watch it. Um, and... Uh, get in before it disappears from the cinemas. Mm. There were like limited three run. people yeah. in the cinema when we went there. That was oh. morning on Saturday. In the morning on Saturday, okay, fair enough. Maybe it's empty, but mm. but um, uh, it's been out for a little while, so maybe that's also it. But go go get it before it runs out. If you yeah. if it's not gone before the podcast's gone, yep. um, <laughs> but no, it was a fantastic cultural examination of um, of like a Muslim society in Australia, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so it's a real. Uh, it's, a, it's a real story of the guy who actually acts as himself, the mm-hmm. main the main character, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a ro- sort of a rom com. I would say it's actually more of like just a society picking apart sort of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was it was very interesting. Um, having grown up in a Muslim culture, it was very enlightening to see like the the tiny little group they make for themselves yeah. in an Australia. Yeah, yeah, mm. and. To see it actually looks the same as if you're <laughs> over there, mm-hmm. um, and they're all enjoyable characters, mm. um, enjoyable people. Because it's a, it's very, it's, I guess it's a very nostalgic film for him. Yeah. He kind of made it in, in memory of his father, so ah, right, that was um, part of it. But very well acted, very well, um, um, very good cinematography, mm. rather. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that there, it wasn't too heavily cliched like in a lot of rom-coms yeah. you get for you instance kind of the yeah. you, you're like oh that's uh, that's yep. happening yeah, right yeah. now that's happening right now the classic breakup before it reunion it didn't hit them all <laughs> yeah well all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, 
the, it'll touch sort of briefly on them, but I mean, life stories kind of do yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, I don't want to spoil it because I'm telling people to watch it right now. Mm. So, um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything I can give away <laughs> a without subtle giving it away. Way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good. It was but a it good was a, film. It was a very good film. Yeah. Um, and it gives a very sort of like charming view into the sort of the not heavily religious Muslim groups. Mm. Yep. Where they still have like a heavy religious couple of people, but like mm. they're generally just you couldn't really call them secular, but mm. but they they care about like they care about life yep. more than yeah. more than traditions mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've heard a, a few friends of oh, mine sorry, have they said tra- apply traditions to life rather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had a few people um, recommend it to me and say it's very good. Uh, one of them said it's it's very funny. Like mm. it has a really good sense of humor. Mm. It does. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, no. Very interesting. Anything else on your list? That's mm, it. Nope. There you go. Well, um, let's hit have two this week. Come on, Joe. I've yeah, got one. Oh, he's I've, got another I've one. been pretty bad in the last couple of weeks of having nothing to talk about uh, in the media section, but I uh, I watched years. a couple of years. <laughs> hey, um, I watched Narcos uh, season three. Mm. So I, I kind of enjoyed Narcos season one and two. Um, it does tend uh, t- to go a bit. Mm, I don't know. It's a little slow at times. Mm. Uh, the subject matter is not very interesting once it dwells on characters that aren't very interesting. Mm. Uh, like Murphy is a DA agent, a uh, American, uh, who this the story sort of focuses on as a protagonist. Mm. Um, and Pablo Escobar being the, the main villain of the story is also given a lot of airtime. Now, mm. there was a fear that when you went into Narco Season 3 with Pablo Escobar being spoilers of real life, yes. he dies. <laughs> uh, that once Pablo Escobar dies, you don't have this central figure mm. that people can look at and be like, oh, he's really charismatic and interesting. And yeah. um, we don't have that guy, right? Mm. Uh, instead, we have the Kali Cartel, which is a group of mm. godfathers. Um, so it's not um, the Godfathers of Kali, as they're called. Um, so, or the Gentlemen of Kali. So mm. uh, these individual characters are not strong in and of themselves was the initial thought, right? Yeah. They, they might be not interesting to carry the, the story. But I think that Narco Season 3 is better than Season 1s and 2, right. only because um, it, it ditches Murphy uh, in yeah. favor of his partner, Agent Pena, to be the main character. Yep. the show, uh, played by Pedro Pascal. Now, Pedro Pascal, I think, is a very good actor, mm. and he needs to be in more stuff. Um, but in Narcos, <laughs> he's great. He, he gets time to shine. Um, and there's a there's another character in um, the show, and I, I, again, I don't want to spoil it. It's just come out mm. um, on Netflix. Is he's a he's an in he's part of the the cartel. He's he's. Mm the good guy on the inside kind of the thing yeah. who's just looking to make his way in the world. You get the idea. Mm. Um, and while I, I find the whole, like you have a spouse that's very supportive, but then ditches you halfway because, you know, he or she is very upset at your life choices. Like that, that motif has been done a bit too much, I think. Mm. Um, and it happens again and you kind of see it coming and you're like, ah, just this happened in season one or two with a different character. Just ditch it. Yeah. Apart from that, that character is fantastic. He gives so much heart to sort of the struggle within uh, the society and just, you know, being a good man. And there's just a very good line um, that uh, his spouse uses. And she says that, you know, we weren't poor. We didn't need this. And and there's that sense that 
it's a very simple thing to say, but a lot of stories, especially in talking about criminality and mm. criminal enterprises, rely on having the just the poor guy who needs to make ends meet so he does bad stuff. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. But a lot of the time, it's not. It's it's just regular people that end up doing this stuff and then realizing down the line, oh, heck, I shouldn't. this is bad for me and my family. Mm. And normalizing that is really cool to see portrayed on film. Yeah. Um, and I think they do a really good job in, in season three. Um, so give it a watch. I highly recommend Narcos season three. It's, cool. it's very, very, very good. Fantastic. Well, if you guys don't have anything else on the media plate let's uh scooch on over to the topic section Mm. um so ladies and gentlemen sometimes we uh do these more intimate sessions where we just get the the three of us um and we you know fess up to our (laughs) our writing uh, quandaries and uh just talk about the journey Mm -hmm. um of publishing and writing and working in the industry we Mm. call it the hero's journey (laughs) (laughs) wow wow that's Great. You should, you could actually, write a book. No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that. Use that yeah. title. <laughs> I actually heard uh, recently that um, a lot of, especially artists, go through a very similar thing to the hero's journey where they they feel this like call yep. to do their art while they just live normal life. Yep. It's kind of a refusal, like it's not going to get me anywhere or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they um, encounter the guardian or something that they, they get they get stuck and then they they break through yep. and they have like specific supporting characters and they have like a three act structure to the way they get their story which is very I didn't I had no I had no clue well, that's <laughs> terrifying I had never <laughs> <laughs> I had never brought up that thanks before. Luke tell me they don't have a mentor that yeah. dies oh. <laughs> oh mercy fly you fools fly you fools are we all gonna have that Run, moment <laughs> No. Anyway, yeah, got it. Yeah, so there you right. go. Yeah, so anyways, you were saying, Joel. <laughs> so with that derailment, we'll call the podcast to an end, and uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you um, for joining. No, so, yeah, so we wanted to do this again, and like Luke uh, just pointed out quite eloquently, um, a little bit of a hero's journey going on mm. where we can talk about our experiences and where we're at, especially since uh, we're all kind of doing different things yeah. all within writing, but in terms of our journey uh, and how we're approaching it is a little different. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going on the more traditional, you know, short story publication, you know, uh, pitching mm. to publishers, that, that sort of route. Um, Luke is endeavoring to do something new, which is one of his new projects that I'm sure we'll talk a lot about. Um, and Ian being involved in uh, self-publishing for, mm. for quite a while now, um, and then now maybe uh, moving on to something else as well while, while still mm. doing that. So we're all, we're all in different um, places, but yeah. I think it'll be interesting to talk about that. And um, also, you know, the challenges, the roadblocks, uh, maybe the hurdles that we've we've jumped over, the hurdles that have you know broken our legs. And Challenges, roadblocks, yeah. hurdles. I don't, <laughs> I don't know these words. I don't relate Joel. to any of this, Joel. Wow, <laughs> it's all been smooth sailing. Yeah, I know. Ever since I left Harvard, it's it's been a it's been. A yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly it. Roll, roll, roll. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so let's start with you, Ian. Uh, you're technically the newcomer, but you've been here for so long. So it's, I mean, it's 
You're part of it. It's been a year now. Actually. He talks more than me in smarter ways, so he's been here longer. Right, I sure. thought we were going down a different route there, Luke. You started that, and I was like, "Where's this going? Uh, is Ian going to leave?" No, <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah. So I, I, um, I actually so interested. It's good timing for this because mm. uh, the next edition. So here in um, in Victoria, Australia, we have. Um, something called the the Victorian Writer, which is put out by Writers Victoria. Um, so, so it's VW put Ooh. out by WV. Um, and uh, the next edition actually is about self-publishing. And I've, I've gone on uh, and written a, a piece about my self-publishing journey in there, talking about the lessons I've learned um, from my uh, choices. So, yeah, mm. I've... Um, so is this just one giant pl- plug for an article that you wrote in? <laughs> for, for an article that, uh, yeah, and it basically it's just a long it's a long game plan to get people to sign up to write as Right, there you go. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's been interesting because it's, mm-hmm. it's always good to sit back and reflect on where you've been. Absolutely. Um, and I, the thing I'll come back to, and I'll just say it now so you guys can think about it as well, mm. is momentum is a hard thing to capture and to describe why you feel you have momentum, but I think every writer who's seeking to be published has moments in, in, in time where they feel like there's momentum. Now, that can come and go, but just it's certainly something that I've realized in, in my writing time I've, I've yeah. felt is very real. So, um, yeah, while I've self-published things, I'm just currently writing an, another... Um, I, I self-published my Inspector Ambrose stories. Mm. I'm currently writing another one of those, um, but I, actually, I have a novel manuscript that I'm currently about to be pitching to US agents. Mm. So that's where I'm at mm. now. Um, and I made a decision to start down that path a while ago, um, and it's it's interesting now to kind of be at the point where I'm where I'm there. Yeah, mm. interesting. I think you know, moving on that self publishing route, um, Luke, you were pretty early on that. Uh, when when was your first publication? What like five years ago? Two thousand fourteen was when it came out. Mm. Oh 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 oh! I know. I put out something really small back in two thousand. It was 2011. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if it was the short story collection first or whether it was like my little sort of um, um, action soldier yeah, fiction yeah. thing. Mm. Yeah. Which was what, 20,000 words or something? And just pumped it out in NaNoWriMo and I didn't write, reach 50,000 because I was like, the story ended. What do I do now? <laughs> Half you nano- failed. HamoRimo. <laughs> <laughs> Half. <laughs> um, doesn't have the same ring to it no yeah. Right, you know. that's um, good so yeah I guess I started then with self-publishing and then when I got into I was doing my course mm. for writing mm. um, it really got into my brain that that was where I wanted to go yeah. because I had control over the way that I could write things mm. I didn't have to spend hours and hours and days and months trying to contact different publishers mm. and agents just to get a single response yeah mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say I wouldn't like to have a publisher yeah. or an agent, but mm. yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a freedom. It, just fe- it just, felt like yeah. I could kind of like make the writing more honest and kind of like um, mm-hmm. not have to focus on the side things, just put the writing in. You didn't have to feel like you had to pitch to the publisher before you pitched to the reader. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, not all the readers need the publishers yeah. to filter it, right? Yeah. And that's that's what I was like. <laughs> I don't, mm. don't need them. Yeah. To filter everything that the readers are going to read, right? Mm. Um, so that was kind of what led me there. And I did yeah. my first full publication, what, some, I don't remember how many words it was now. It's like 110,000 or something mm. word novel, which went up in yep. 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm working on 
something else. Yeah, so. and you've and it's interesting because I want to just jump in there because that was more young adult. You know, it's, yep. a, it's a very different tone to what you're writing now without Completely. any spoilers. Yep. Um, I'll let you spoil it if you want, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't want to preempt your work. Um, but yeah, you've you switched genre in in some senses of the word or subgenre, I guess. Yeah, um, subgenre. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, it's it's different stuff, but mm-hmm. self-publishing still. And there's a big gap between you publishing back then and mm-hmm. now. Like, what was that like, that gap? What was you figuring things out, wondering what the... Mm. There were a couple of things. Uh, yeah. I went a few th- through a few things in life that made me um, approach writing from a more... I-, I would call it a more honest perspective. Mm. I really like the novel that I wrote, but yeah. I don't feel like it's... Um, it's I don't understand how to pitch it, for instance. Yeah, mm. I don't understand. Because you don't know what it is. Pitch to, well, I know it's for young adults. Yeah, I just don't know how to pitch to young adults, and I'm not fascinated with the idea of doing it. Mm. <laughs> I'm mm. not. I'm not like. That's um, not. I'm not desperate to to talk to yeah. um, people about this this level of fantasy. Yeah. for instance, um, it was more on the Tolkien esque side. Yeah. Um, or probably closer to Del Toro Quest, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I really liked it. Like I said, I, I like how I wrote mm. it, but um, mm. I just don't think that pitching it has my full emotional emotional support anymore. Sure. Right. Um, whereas the stuff I'm writing now, um, it has it it hinges on tons of things that I think about in life, mm-hmm. tons of things that I think are relevant to life but not I, i'm not putting them in there because i'm trying to make it mm. um to mm. make it relevant per se yeah. i just yeah, i think it fits uh, it's it's the story's read itself to me rather yeah and mm-hmm. it feels very honest so hmm. um the style is more it's a lot closer to what i would say i can identify with mm-hmm. um yeah, and right. I know that sounds very vague when you're listening to the recording, but um, <laughs> pick up the book; it'll be out on the. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a uh, here's the plug. Yeah. Bam! Yeah. We're happening. This is basically one giant advertising platform mm. for all of us. Um, but, but yeah, it is the beauty of self-publishing that. Um, so I think every author out there, mm. um, when they're starting out, has to has to know why why they're writing. Are they writing to um, to make money? Some people write mm. to make yeah. money. They want to make money. Uh, are you writing? Um, which I think is. Conversely, I think it's very hard if you're not writing something that you authentically love anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just putting it out there. Um, but, you know, in saying that, are you writing to get published traditionally? Is there something about the um, the being in the tent, so to speak, that mm. appeals to you? Or, um, you know, are you just looking to... For some people, they just want to tell a story authentically and just kind of get it out there and the publishing side of things doesn't matter too much. And so in that case, self-publishing can be really great for that. Mm. Um I think self-publishing gets ragged on uh, a lot. Uh, some of it's unfair. Some of it is entirely fair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of those book covers, my word. Um, you know, some of the content of those books. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, if you can get past the "So You're a Horse" book cover, um, you know, "But You're a Horse," the classic "But You're a Horse." Please Google it. Uh, you will enjoy it. Um, it's it's you know, if you can get past that, I'm fairly sure the content isn't uphill yeah. from there. Um, you know, so there's there's no one really to say no, yeah. uh, and that's that is both the beauty and the danger of self-publishing. There's yep. nobody there to say no. Yeah. Um. And for me, when I was starting, that was a problem. Yep. As well, I agree. Because, <laughs> no one could. You agree? <laughs> I, oh, Joel, you I agree. agree. <laughs> but you I know, agree. when I started, no one could say to me, uh, Ian, you know, yeah. the quality of your writing could be better before you hit that publish button. Maybe you should do a couple of things here. Wouldn't even be massive things, mm. you know. 
and there was no one there to say no. And I was, yeah. I didn't know any better, so I just hit publish personally. So, you know, it, knowing, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that, like you said, the the gatekeeper aspect can both be a helper and a hindrance. Mm. And uh, for a lot of people, it is a hindrance because it doesn't allow them to, like you said, publish what they want to to write. Yeah. Um, I th- yeah, the, with with self publishing, I agree with you because I went through a similar thing in self publishing where mm. there was no one to say no or like hang on mm. just just hang on for a moment yeah. just, we, we, how about we talk about a few things and work on some things mm. there's no one there um it was just i hit publish and i then hit uh remove from sale very right. uh <laughs> a little while later um it i i think it's a question for everybody to answer for themselves mm. um there is no right way to do it and it's simply what you like you said want to achieve because mm. being in the tent also means that you are able to contribute to one kind of conversation. Yeah. Right? And and that can be attractive to some people. Um, mm. For me, for instance, I, I very much like the conversations about genre and, you mm. know, figuring out the mechanics of how stories work and all that stuff. So that's why the, the, more, the published aspect appeals to me more because that yeah. is the conversation that is had. Oh, self-publishing is different because self-publishing um, has a different kind of prestige to it, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Where, you know, well, I, I can imagine some published authors saying there's no prestige to it, but mm. you're having a different conversation with people, with your audience, um, yeah. and with other, with critics as well. Mm. Um, there, there's a thing that I think, uh, for me, it's a good example because it's somewhere that I personally come from, is sword and sorcery. Mm. Um, classic sword and sorcery is dead. Um, mm. it, it, it it had its heyday way long ago, yeah. and it's gone. Uh, mm. And I'm sure there's some people that can disagree with me and say, you know, these authors here, but by and large, mm. the fantasy genre has moved on. Yeah. Um, so the people that liked those kinds of novels really... Uh, there are some... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, published authors that do do that, but for the most part, a lot of Sword and Sorcery now has gone self-published. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's where I did my uh, foray into it as well. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I could have said, well, I could go to these publications and, and seek this. But mm. for me, there was no reason that I wanted that, uh, I suppose, recognition for it or to mm. say, well, this is my contribution. So the sorcery, I was putting it out strictly for readers. Yep. And there's something that I said uh, to Luke earlier where you don't have to pitch the publishers and readers because... When you write a novel in some sense of the word, and I'm being completely honest in, in mm. terms of how I see this, is that in one way you are writing the novel for the publisher as well. Mm. Like th- there's a reason why um, in, in publishing mm. they say, you know, give us your sample three chapters. You pick the chapters that you know they will like mm. and that are the strongest chapters because while that that those chapters might even be the things that readers don't care you put about. Put on your but, suit for the interview, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You, you, it's your game face. But mm. in in self publishing, when a lot of it, the buy in is quite low. You know, a lot of self published yep. authors, and we we can talk about this here. Mm. The buy in, we reduce prices on self published because we honestly just want to get it into people's hands yes. so they yeah, can yeah. read it. Yeah. Um, and really, it, it's it's a very um, select number of self-published authors that are able to pump out content in a certain regularity yeah. that helps increase that the sales and thus they, they make some money out of it. Mm. But, you know, I speak to myself here. Um, for, I r- charge the minimum, so that means that I don't get the um, Kindle yeah. uh, 
you know, the majority of the, the royalties. royalties. Yeah. Yeah. So it really just it's there for the readers, right? And I mean, Ian, you've you've been doing this as well with your mm. with your um, novellas, I guess you could call. Yeah, them. yeah, the novellas. Um, I, I don't make a lot of money out of those. Yeah. Um, but what what it has allowed me to do is is to build uh, an audience. So mm. there, I, I would say that the the biggest value has been when I've run into people uh, online who have read my work and said, "Oh, I really enjoyed that." Yeah. Or you know, um, some put something up on Reddit and someone comes along and says, "Oh, I, nuts! I was hoping you were putting out something new." And yeah. I was like, "Ah, oh, no, I, I wasn't." But thank you. Yeah. And they said, I "Really enjoyed your stuff." That those kind of moments are really uh, are really neat, and that's the value. You know, um, you can get my first novella. Uh, it's it's free to download it's yeah. a freemium kind of thing whatever uh and then the other ones you, you pay to buy yeah um and then i've also run giveaways on those and uh those are um a massive kind of the ability to actually have a platform like amazon now amazon is, is good and bad but the, what it's done for self-publishing uh you know smashwords is obviously a very good platform which allows you into places like ibooks and barnes and noble etc but amazon uh as the behemoth that it is, um, it does enable you to get out to an audience, uh, which mm. you just would not be able to otherwise. Yeah. You know? Now, um, I've used Reddit to kind of drive people into that, um, and it's worked really well for me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and, and it's also given a sense of, so there's now been 35,000 uh, books downloaded over the last three years. So that's, you know, that's there's, there's some momentum sure. there. And I talk about momentum as a very hard thing to place. Mm. And um, there have been times when sales have been good, times when sales have been bad. I can't always tell you why that is. But, um, it, yeah, it, I, I've, I've got to where I am now because of the, the platform allowing me to get there. Um, I also charge 99 cents for the books. Mm-hmm. I've fluctuated the prices a little bit. 99 cents seems to work and get more people to, to press buy. Um, but unless you're charging three three dollars, um, Amazon gives you a thirty percent royalty yeah. instead of seventy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and those sort of uh, and some people might say, oh, that sounds really businessy, and like you know, you've cut the creative out of it. Mm. Is that you need to you need to know these things? Yes. Is that if you're self-publishing, you mm. have to be realistic about what you want to get out of it. Yeah. You know. You cannot expect to put out a novel for twenty dollars, which I did, uh, <laughs> and expect people yeah. to just come in and droves. Like, from where exactly? Where is your social media media mm. presence? Like, where's that at? And it, it, that also affects whether you want to go down that route. And mm. having all of these tools makes self-publishing a lot more effective. Obviously, mm. there's the one percenters who you know get the yeah. the magic bullet and they hit an audience that hasn't been hit before, and then boom, they don't need to do any of that yeah. networking because it's done for them. Mm. Um, but for the majority of people, you need these steps. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who was wanting to get into publishing and I could just see her novel wasn't there yet. Mm. Um, and, and they really wanted to self-publish it. And I said, look, don't do what I did. Hold mm. off. You know, get an editor, maybe um, someone that can look at this objectively without any, you know, Mm. sort of worry that they might offend you and just have that reality check. Right. Um, So that's that's another thing to bear in mind, getting getting editors and getting other people proofreaders. Mm. Um, I cannot stress enough how important quality control is to to self-publishing. Like Mm. I have turned off uh, when I see a bundle of mistakes in a first chapter and it's just sloppy and I just, I'm not having a good time reading it. 
Yeah, it d- well, it distracts from the the story. Absolutely, I think you. The re- so for me, you know, I, I um self published, and then uh, I've I've written. I've been quite open about my journey, and, mm. and I've written so that people know what happened, and it'll always be up there on the internet. And especially the quality of the stories, I haven't gone back and you know edited them up into a you know really tighten the narrative or anything. I've learned a lot since I first published something, but I've kind of left them there because I want my story to be there for people to read. By my story, I mean Absolutely. my stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is a big question about what you want. And for me, I, the amount of work required in self-publishing to keep that momentum going is why I've decided to seek a, a, a publisher um, for my first full-length novel, which is tied into the novellas um, in the same kind of universe. Um, but the interesting thing for me now is that I, I have to um, go outside Australia for that because the market yeah. here is, is you know, there's a market here, but it's a, it's a very difficult market to navigate. And one thing we haven't really mentioned mentioned here is you know talk about sword and sorcery being dead um well the fact is that publishing there's a, there is an extremely practical element to it as yeah. well first of all the writing has to be good secondly it has to sell yeah like uh if, yeah. if writing isn't selling uh publishers won't stay in business to mm-hmm. they actually physically won't have an office <laughs> to yeah. be able to administer the publishing of these books like mm. there's a really practical aspect yeah. to it as well which i think people uh Miss. sometimes forget especially yeah. since writing can often be mysticized as oh but i've poured my heart and soul into this yeah but I just you know, a three-legged elephant as a protagonist may not be the most <laughs> engaging thing ever. You know, I'm no. trying to think of a story that has a three-legged elephant. Ah, Dumbo's the closest. Isn't uh, he's the closest? Then he's got four legs. Wait, I isn't mean. that <laughs> the one with Robert, um, the Twilight guy? Yeah. Didn't he do a movie where there was an elephant? In it? I honestly have no idea. I'm pretty sure you just <laughs> offended half guy? our audience. <laughs> that guy. Are, are you yeah, having a are oh, you having a go at what if elephants? elephants? What yes, if elephants? there you go. Are you having a go at elephants? No, I think you're. Are you <laughs> saying that people uh, that uh, elephants that are injured don't deserve press in? <sighs> you're just trying to trap me, Joel. It- <laughs> I'm, I'm not falling for these lies. But you, you do have to ask yourself, yes. right? The practicality, and this is where um, self-publishing is is a genius thing because you can tell that story that you want to tell. Without um, worrying about the uh, what the publishers are going to do, you know, you can do that. Um, Luke, the uh, in, I actually it, wanted to take that analogy. Yeah, mm. or take the analogy that I brought up at the start of the um, conversation and mm-hmm. say um, how usually the guardian at the gate for artists yeah. is the publisher. Mm. Mm-hmm. But when you're self-publishing, mm. the guardian at the gate becomes the consumer mm. because mm. you have to go, you have to. You have to defeat every single consumer to get them in. <laughs> usually a publisher. Right. Usually a publisher. You're all Luke's enemies now. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, usually a publisher has a face and mm. all the people are like, oh, they, we know this publisher. We'll read that book. Or yep. if they haven't got a face, they market and they yeah. know how to market. They know where to market. Yep. They've yep. published before. They've done the research. They have a track record. Yeah. And they know. So therefore, the artist doesn't have that guarding at the gate there because... Once they're the publisher, the publisher knows how to do everything from there. Mm, um, yeah. But but yeah, when you're self-publishing, you've got to know how to talk directly to the consumer. Yeah. Um, yep. Absolutely. Whether, whether that's throwing lots of money at advertising or <laughs> mm. or just making a really good cover. I mean, it it all. Uh, I mean, hopefully all of the above. To be let's, honest, uh, yeah, a good let, book as well. Hopefully, let's mm. talk about the throwing the, all that money. Mm. I've seen authors spend thousands of dollars on Google ads oh, and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see a result from it. Like I really do think 
Like, what do you think, Ian? Like, mm. you've 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 done that kind of stuff a yep. lot more than I have. So, well, I've I've tried money on things. I actually I spent some money on some Facebook advertising actually the other day, just yeah. um with my uh with my author list. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to see. So what's that? The, That's so the one of the key things that you need to get as an author is a is a list of um. Uh, you know, of emails that you can send your newsletter out to. The reason that that's key is because uh, social media can be taken away at any time. Twitter, Facebook, yeah. uh, Reddit, they can all disappear overnight. Your list is your list and you keep that. And uh, people who sign up to your list are more likely to be really active mm-hmm. consumers. You can hear my business side coming out here anyway. Yeah. But, um, so, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I spent uh, 10 bucks on that, but I know that's only 10 bucks and I'm very reasoned with what I'll spend. I, for me, the best way that you can spend money is actually on improving your writing. Because the fact is that in the end, good writing is the key to selling uh, those books out once you get people past the door. So don't have a terrible cover. Check out uh, But You're a Horse. Um, you know, Don't have a terrible cover. Um, and make sure you get an okay blurb. But once you get into the book, people still have to get past those first few pages. You, know, you can't um, totally alienate them. I have thrown more time into wasted effort in self-publishing mm. than I have thrown money. Let's 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 talk about some of that wasted effort. Now, yeah. there's a thing that people say, book bloggers. Mm. They're a very positive force uh, yeah. in the community. But at the same time, that can take a lot of time, right? Mm. Submitting to a yeah. bunch of blogs. And like, what do you think that... Do you think there's a lot of um, benefit to that? What do you think? There can be. You've got to find find your community, and you have to find channels to your community. Yeah. Book bloggers can definitely be those, and this is why, again, for me personally, why I've chosen to head towards a traditional mm. publishing role. Uh, for me, uh, one way to connect with my readers was through Reddit. Now, that was something I was naturally doing anyway. Yeah. I'm on Reddit. Uh, I have the same username as my Twitter handle. It's not hard to find me. And, you know, mm. I'll talk to people there and be engaged in conversations. Sure. Uh, so when I have a chance to, you know, to engage them around my writing that works um but yeah you you have to find those places and sometimes things are a waste of effort you know yeah um sometimes they don't go as planned i mean i, I did a, a fantasy author of the of the week on um on reddit which is a very good thing um and that didn't go as planned it was definitely not as as uh engaging as i'd hoped it would be mm. uh but you know but that the, was due um, to some technical that was due to some technical <laughs> stuff that went down and you know like you realize that the amount of effort you put in sometimes yeah. doesn't always pay off and you were up at like what like, yeah i was up like 2 a.m or something um, and Joel was texting me, I might add, like Joel was awake and I was like, you're awake, <laughs> which is impressive. But, um, you know, like you, you have ups and downs, mm. but the one thing I wouldn't do is that I, I actually said in, in the article that I've written about this, I said that, uh, I actually think there's more books out there on how to self-publish than there are <laughs> self-published books. Seriously. Yeah. There are so many of them. Yeah. Like Luke, you'd know, Joel, you'd know. Yeah. There are people, it's like a best ways to get sold, best way yep. to get thin yeah. diet. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. All of the sort of self-help books. Yeah. yeah. No, and then great. behind all them, people saying and how to publish your book on how to lose weight, how to publish your book on how to, you know, there's the, the amount of people who are making money, you know, uh, the worst, okay, the worst money I ever spent, I'll tell you the worst money I ever spent was a sure. hundred bucks on some tools that were meant to make your Amazon description look better and give you access to a whole lot of author resources for a year. I did it once. I never went back to their website. It was a complete waste of money. Sure. Mm. Like absolute waste of money. And um, that would be the worst hundred dollars ever spent. The mm. best hundred dollars ever spent was on some artwork for yeah. my book covers. So there's smart money, which and always got great responses from a lot of people. Yeah, right? I yeah. was I was very lucky to track down through Reddit mm. um, the the people who do the book covers for me, and, and they're they're really great. So yeah, yeah they, you can throw a whole lot of money after um, after things. Having a little bit of business sense is important, and that's why I've always been fairly reticent to spend a lot of money on my writing when the return won't be that high necessarily. Absolutely. Mm. Um, there's something I wanted to mention. You, you, Luke, you said that, um, you know, the the gate, 
the gatekeeper sometimes as a publisher, right? And then they, they yeah. know their stuff. Well, there's, yeah. there's also this other side of publishing that's becoming more of a thing now is that especially when publishers are publishing a lot of people, hmm. there's a, there's an expectation to rely on that person's yeah. social media, mm. network, sales. And if it just doesn't come through, they don't really put much into it as well. And that's just a yeah. reality of how it's going. Mm. There's not a lot of money floating around. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes those are limited print runs. And even when you go into traditional publishing, there's an expectation for the author to market. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, there's there's all sorts of little middle grounds between there's a range, right? Um, and, you know, small press publishers might not have the same resources as well, but mm-hmm. they might be more likely to take on your work because it's more niche and it's something that they do. Um, again, I, I think that question of where to go and who to go to and whether you should go self-publishing is really a question of whether you're comfortable with that decision. Mm. And you have to have a, a degree of self-awareness. This is something I cannot stress Mm. more is that you need to be self-aware oh my you are not a crystal snowflake how do you tell someone who's not self-aware that they're not self-aware joel i just tell them they're not self-aware feels like a paradox it is i'm so (laughs) self-aware yeah Uh, (laughs) about that (laughs) i'm very humble uh the 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 interesting thing with the 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 self-publishing thing for me was that um like i just needed someone Mm. to be like hey snowflake you're not you're not there, like hold you're not off there a yet. bit. Hold off. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to <laughs> take up, time to get better because you suck right now. Oh. Like <laughs> that, and, and that's a thing that people don't take well is that writers start off quite thin-skinned. Yeah, it yeah. can't yep. be. You have to have a thick skin. Mm. If you're on the internet, heck, if you self-publish, mm. expect reviews to range. And the best thing that people always say is that. You want the bell curve. You don't want the extremes of good or bad because th- that mm. that's very swingy. You need the middle. You need middle ground. And it's very difficult to sift through, you know, rough stuff. Ha- handy thing for me is that I did do a bit of customer relations in my previous job where I just had to monitor forums on people's yep. comments on my personal work. Mm. Terrible, terrible combination. Um, yeah. And it's... it's uh, <laughs> for a very niche video game. So just expect the worst, right? Um, Mm. And there was. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, getting getting a thick skin is important as well. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, there's just a bunch of things that we could just keep telling you about our horror stories and, like, what we've Mm. uh, learned over the years. But, uh, yeah, it's something that you have to deliver and experience by Mm. doing it. Yeah, and I I, Mm. I think that... When I was starting out as well, I, th- I was fairly sure that I thought um, there, there might be some shortcuts. I, I genuinely believe there are no shortcuts in publishing. Like, mm. I know that's, I, that that makes me one of, that, I, that annoys me because that makes me one of the voices that I heard when I was starting out. And yeah. I thought, no, mm-hmm. look, I, I think I can never get around some of these things. It's Come on, Grandpa, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? But it's actually in the journey that you improve your writing. Absolutely. It takes time to improve your writing. And you can't go in expecting to be the 0.1% who hit it uh, absolutely spot on the first time. You know, there are very few people who do that. And often the people who find the shortcuts are not the people who are around for the long run. Yes. So they didn't learn the lessons yep. they needed to learn on the way. Absolutely. And so I'm lucky that I got to learn some lessons as I've gone. Um, I still haven't got a publisher, you know. I, I, um, mm. I'm hopeful and yeah. I, I, you know, I believe in, in the work that I've written. I think it's important to do that. But at the same time, you've got to have a thick skin. 
you got to be able to you got to balance it out actually to yeah. be able to have a thick skin but also to be able to listen yep so find those voices that you can trust yeah don't block gonna, everything out yeah don't block it all mm. out but find the right voices you mm. know don't don't get ned the neighbor who's like oh really love your stuff it's tops you should publish yeah. it yeah, don't don't go for that Stick guy. Stick it in the lawnmower. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It'll make it oh, go better. Give it a give it a three legged elephant. That'll really <laughs> elevate the story. All right, that's a problem with elephants, here, <laughs> yeah, Ian. I just sorry, I just want to just move on, man. You know, but um, that that for me is, is the thing. You, you can you can do yeah. it, and I would encourage anyone out there who's thinking about getting into to, to publishing, sure. uh, to self publishing. I'd say absolutely go for it. Yep. Find good voices, and if you're thinking about traditional publishing, absolutely do it. Expect that there is a brutal process you're going to have to go through to get there, mm-hmm. um, and in the end, the bottom line is you've got to have some good writing at the at the Absolutely. end of the road or else it's all for naught. Or else. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, if you're looking to self-publish. Yeah. Um, yep. at, least, at least find a couple of literate friends. To, yeah. <laughs> to, um, literate. That's very important. People yes. who can tell the difference between its and its. Yeah. Yes. So um, find you're some friends who can, who can like, look through and tell you that there's the tiny mistakes that will get you bagged in mm, the yeah. reviews. Yep. <laughs> Bagged and tagged. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think that's been a good episode. Thank you for indulging us. And mm. we hope that, you know, it's been useful. I, I think that a lot of the point of this podcast is to provide content that uh, emerging and established writers find engaging and useful. Mm. Uh, that's, that's our blurb pretty much. And that's what we try and do um, all the time. Uh, we'll have some interesting guests coming up and we hope to hear from them soon. And I'm sure you will enjoy their content. But for now, let's um, tell you where you can connect on, uh, connect to us on social media. So Luke, start us off. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah. And what's this thing you've got coming up? I am at the Soul Shard on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can find me at thesoulshard.com. And I am coming out with a collection of stories. Mm-hmm. Of dark followed fantasy. by another collection of stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a dark mm-hmm. fantasy collection of stories. Mm. So, um, yeah, you can look out for that yep. in on October the 1st is Ooh. the plan. Fantastic. There you go. October the 1st, big launch. Flames of Soulsguard. Ooh, we got a title reveal. Oh, title reveal. You heard it here first. Hashtag Flames of Soulsguard. <laughs> How do you spell Soulsguard? S-O-L-S-G-A-R-D. There cool. you go. Flames of Soulsguard. Look for it October 1st. Where can people get it? Amazon? Amazon. Amazon. Fantastic. Well, look for updates. There'll be a link on my Twitter as soon as it comes out. Mm -hmm. Just follow me on Twitter and you'll find uh, updates to that coming out. Looking forward to it, Luke, and wish you all the best for the launch. Mm. Thank you. Um, Ian, where can people find you? What have you got coming up? Find me at IHLaking is the easiest way on Twitter. Um, and ihlaking.com uh, sign up to my newsletter that's fun uh, it's always good um, and I've got a new Inspector Ambrose story in the works so um, I'll, I'll start posting about how that's going and keeping you in the loop so mm-hmm. yeah follow along and uh, hear about the, the writing and drafting process fantastic and there was a recent blog post uh, on your website regarding the Melbourne Writers Festival yeah worth checking out just to catch my review of how, how it all went down fantastic uh, well, for me, you can find me at Panajol on Twitter. There was a reason that I'm also not doing self-publishing is because I'm bad at social media. So <laughs> don't go to my Twitter, I guess. Um, you can find me on my website, thepenofjoel.com. Themorningbell.com.au is the address where you'll find our podcast archives and on iTunes and, you know, various yeah. other sources. Just, you, we're there. We're, we're <laughs> everywhere. The underscore Morning Bell on Twitter. 
um, and look out for the episode in two weeks. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you then.